Hello, everybody. This is Andre, and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our special guest for today is Matt Gillis, who is the CEO of Clean.io, a company that leads in the prevention of cross-platform advertising, protecting website publishers and online businesses from malicious ads by blocking coupon provider extensions. Today, we'll discuss about the issues advertising brings to to performance marketers, brands, e-commerce websites, and publishers, as well as how advertisers can increase budgets, return on investment, as well as maintain the good customer experience on sites in 2021 by leveraging software like clean.io. And here we have Matt Gillis. Hi, Matt. How are you? How's the morning Andre, going? how are you? Good to, uh, good to be on with you. And uh, this is truly a global podcast with you on the other side of the planet right now. <laughs> yes, that's true. A pleasure meeting today as well. Uh, really exciting for, uh, really excited for our episode together and for the discussion. We briefly had a chance to quickly catch up now. And I think it's going to be a really insightful and really good one. Uh, it's the first time on the show where we actually dive deep into these issues that many, you know, advertisers, um, face on a daily basis, really. So really, really keen to hear your thoughts, your experience, maybe some of the case studies that you were faced with and how you were able to help these websites and these marketers to better their uh, marketing results, really. So let's see, tell us a bit about you. Tell us uh, who you are, where you're from, uh, what's the journey with clean.io and what you guys do. Excellent. Well, hey, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, so you, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO of a company called Clean.io. We protect digital engagements. Uh, and we'll talk a lot about that over this podcast. Um, my journey to this role has been uh, a, a pretty fun and interesting one. I've been in mobile my entire career. So uh, I'm as old as dirt. And I started uh, in, in this business uh, back in the early 90s in working for the cell phone operators. So I've had kind of like four distinct areas of my career. So I worked for cell phone operators in the early days of, of the mobile internet on your cell phone. Mm -hmm. um, days when you would download ringtones or play games or do any of the things that you do other than make phone calls. Um, and then I've kind of gone on this entrepreneurial journey of um, you know, for uh, uh, about five years, I was a mobile games publisher. So we created games and entertainment content on uh, mobile devices. Um, I then left that and went into the ads business. Uh, and so we did ad monetization for publishers. And I did that for, uh, you know, probably the better part of eight years at a few different companies where we were, uh, you know, we were a startup and then we were acquired. And, and lo and behold, I, I kind of closed out that at, at, at Verizon Media, which is, uh, you know, a, a big uh, telecom company that owns a conglomerate of advertising technology. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the biggest challenges I had when I was in that role, my, my role was I was responsible for websites and, and helping them make money, um, is that uh, we had these things uh, called malvertising. You may uh, have experienced it yourself as a consumer, uh, you know, when you're sometimes on your mobile phone and you're, you're scrolling up and down and all of a sudden it kind of redirects to a page and it says, congratulations, Andre, you want an Amazon gift card or uh, click here to spin the wheel or take this survey and uh, and once you complete it, you'll be entered to win something. That's called malvertising. Um, it was one of the banes of my existence in my last role. Um, and so uh, when I had left uh, my job at, at Verizon Media and uh, was uh, you know, taking some time off, I ran into a, a few guys that had started to build this company called Clean Creative, which was the predecessor to Clean.io. Um, and they were headed out to solve this problem of malvertising. And so... Uh, very curious and, and obviously had never seen anybody really truly solve it. And so uh, that's how I landed where I am today. And I've been doing it now. Our company's been around for about three years. Um, I've been in the role as CEO here for uh, you know about two years now. 
Uh, and it's been an amazing journey to, to see uh, a team and a product kind of build uh, over time. And, and, you know, I'm Canadian, so I love hockey sticks and we've had hockey stick-like growth. Uh, and so it's been super cool. And, and it's really just the start of our journey in protecting websites and, and user engagements from malicious and untrusted code. Mm -hmm. I see. Okay. So um, what challenges do you see today? Like what are some of the most um, encountered scenarios where somebody would be the victim of malvertising? Let's say uh, maybe depending on the industries or depending on the niches, what's the most uh, occurring case for you guys? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the one thing that um, I, I love to do is to take a step back and remember that we're all consumers, right? Mm -hmm. So even though we work in this business and you work in marketing and I work, you know, in cybersecurity, um, we're also consumers who, you know, rely on our mobile devices. We're on them all day, every day. It's the first thing we wake up and, and look at in the morning. And it's the last thing we, we tune out in, 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 in the evening. And uh, this challenge with related to malvertising you know, it's been a long-standing uh, issue, right? I mean, you, you go to many websites, and and you know, it's not it's not something that happens all day every day. And I think the the reason behind that is you need to look at the motive and who is actually the the, the person that's behind these malicious campaigns that are are destroying user experiences and destroying revenue. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so. Uh, it, it's one of those things where these bad actors, right? So you you represent a lot of you know good marketers, and there's tons of good marketers on the planet. Um, the reality is, is malvertising is is really conducted by bad actors who um, are also advertisers, and they're bad advertisers. They're advertisers that are seeking uh, to engage with users. They've got offers that they're trying to get users to complete, um, and they're using um, malicious technologies to really establish those connections. If you think about normal marketers normal, real marketers, you know, they'll buy a thousand ads on a page and they'll hope to get a half a percent uh, click-through rate and a half percent click-through rate, you know, five in 1,000, that would be amazing, right? Well, malvertisers, um, because of their sophistication, they have figured out how to buy that same ad and effectively get 100% click-through rate. So this problem um, exists because of the economics. These folks have figured out how to buy an ad how to get 100% click-through rate, and how to get that user to land on that page. And they can target them very effectively, and they can put beautiful-looking creatives in front of them and really uh, you know, inspire engagement, probably not from you or from me, but like my mom. My mom probably would click on those sort of ads. You know, she would be mm -hmm. uh, you know, deceived to click on those sort of things. So you know, in, in the sense of like what is malvertising, what's happening, a lot of it kind of rears its ugly head in these form of, of malicious redirects um, where it kind of takes over the page, takes over the user experience, either uh, drives the user to fill out a survey, you know, complete a survey, give their personally identifiable information, either give their email address or their phone number or some sort of um, uh, some sort of information that they want to capture, or usually drive the user to kind of click into the app store in, in an automated fashion to download an app. Mm -hmm. So it's usually kind of one of those um, behaviors. Um, and, you know, the, the behavior of choice really depends on what action the malicious advertiser is trying to engage. Mm -hmm. And what control do companies or these websites that are the victims of malvertising, uh, what control do they have over limiting this? Uh, if, let's say, they are not using any software, they just have a website, how are they falling victims for this? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's the challenge of, of the programmatic media ecosystem. So I'm sure you're familiar with programmatic mm-hmm. where, you know, impressions are bought and sold in, 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 you know, via algorithms. And it's really, it's an open ecosystem, right? So anybody can go and get a seat on a demand side platform uh, and set up campaigns and start to uh, buy ads. Uh, and you can buy ads on some of the biggest websites on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, if you are a website owner, so let's just say you're a publisher and you're trying to monetize, you have ad placements set up on your website and your goal is to bring in the maximum amount of demand because when you bring in that maximum amount of demand, that creates demand density, which drives price up, which obviously creates fill rate and, and all of the metrics and the KPIs that any website publisher would would live by, right? It's mm-hmm. their livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, the programmatic media ecosystem has kind of created this back door where bad actors now have, you know, open season to be able to access end users on some of the biggest websites on the planet. Websites that you would normally have thought, you know, back in the olden days, if you want to call it that, where you would have had to, you know, write an insertion order and you would be clearly vetted before any ads run. And usually it's big brands that are writing insertion orders. These bad actors now with, you know, uh, you know a, a dime, can go and get uh, you know a seat on a demand side platform and just start buying and inject their code. And usually, what these guys do is they have very sophisticated economics where it's it's a game of arbitrage where they know that if they can buy a certain amount of ads for a certain price, they can usually get a multiple of that number in, in a return on their investment. Mm-hmm. So you know it's the it's really the programmatic ecosystem that has uh, enabled this uh, open access for. Uh, and by the way, there's a ton of great things that have come from the programmatic ecosystem, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, publishers and, and end users, I mean, end users are getting very targeted ads, and that makes the user experience much better. Um, but it has created this window of opportunity for bad actors to really kind of creep in the back door and start to conduct malicious actions. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say somebody identifies that they are the victim of malicious software like this or malicious actors that um, damage their users' experience on their websites. Mm-hmm. So uh, you identify this problem and then uh, you together with the team uh, grew clean that IO so that you can help these guys uh, clean up <laughs> their exactly. platforms. Um, how do you do it? Uh, what's the journey? How does the system work? Uh, maybe even let's generalize it and say, I mean, maybe start from the general scenario and mm-hmm. tell what you do, uh, like what somebody like you would do, and then specifically what you guys do so that we can uh, all have a good understanding of how to best think about protecting ourselves when it comes to malicious software or malicious actors like these ones. Yeah, maybe I'll start back where how people used to do it and how some still do it and how it's yep. ineffective. And that's how kind of we ended up where we are. That's In the very early stages of folks that tried to prevent these malicious behaviors, what they would do is they would scan creatives in an offline environment to see if it exhibited malicious behavior. And by the way, back in the early days when the bad guys weren't so sophisticated, um, yeah, like they would be able to catch that sort of stuff. Well, what happened is, is bad actors have figured out how to fingerprint and understand if they're in an offline environment or they're being scanned to not exhibit the malicious behavior. So that methodology kind of proved to be an ineffective way to, to try to solve the, the, the problem. Um, the next wave of folks that really have tried to solve this problem um, really try and anchor it around uh, what we would call like URL block listing. Mm-hmm. Basically, known malicious URLs, you would put them onto a block list. And uh, if uh, if a buyer was exhibiting behavior that is tied to that malicious URL, you would prevent that person from buying that ad uh, and therefore, you know, obviously block 
any uh, hopeful militia, hopefully block malicious activity from happening. Um, the bad actors have figured their way around this. Obviously, they can change their URLs every five minutes now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, bad actors can change uh, their URLs and make them unique for every end user if they wanted to, which mm -hmm. makes that very um, that approach ineffective. It also uh, the challenge with URL block lists means that something bad has to happen, and the and the, the software provider has to capture that URL to put it on a block list, mm -hmm. right? You can't, by the way, if you start, you know, trying to automate or become what I would say probabilistic methodologies, like saying like, well, this URL looks like it could be malicious, so let's put it on the block list. What happens is, is you end up with a ton of false positives mm -hmm. and then you're actually blocking real revenue, right? And yep. so there's a, there's a whole of, bunch of concerns around URL block listing that, that kind of, I would say, one, make it ineffective, two, make it um, predisposed to you know, false positives and actually costing real revenue. Mm -hmm. The solution that we came up with, which I think was, you know, is obviously very unique, it's behavioral analysis. What we do is we give our uh, partners a single line of JavaScript. They put it at the head of their page. And that is the first thing that loads when the page loads. And by the way, everything that we do is on real humans, real devices, real networks, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only way to catch bad guys. Now, marketers that, that probably listen to your podcast, you know, the, the fraud that they think about are things like invalid traffic and bots and viewability and all these other things, right? Well, by the time our software is running, all of those technologies have basically run their uh, run their processes to determine that everything that we're running on is generally speaking a real human, real device, real network. Mm -hmm. Bad actors, as you can imagine, they're sophisticated. They wouldn't want to buy bot traffic or invalid traffic because they're looking for a real user engagement. And so, um, so what our solution does is a single line of JavaScript. We're analyzing the execution of, of JavaScript at runtime. When we see an ad get purchased and an, and an ad start to render on a website, if that ad starts to do malicious activity, what we do is we block the malicious activity. We don't block the bad actor from buying the ad. We One of the big things that we felt that the only way we were going to be successful with this technology was that if there was a financial disincentive for the bad actor to do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. In every other uh, solution prior to us, there was almost a, like to use a terrible American baseball analogy, there was almost like a free at bat, you know, like the bad actor could try something. And if it, you know, if it worked great and if it, they got blocked, well, it didn't cost them any money. So then they could change their tactics and try something new. Um, with our software, um, we actually let them buy. That means that they bought an ad. That means that they uh, are committed. Uh, that means that that ad renders. And the thing that they truly bought, which was the impression and the, and the render, they have to pay for that. That actor, because they've paid for that, um, you know, they are hoping to get ROI. What we do is we block that malicious activity from happening after that ad renders. And because we do that, the user never gets redirected to that malicious page that says, congratulations, Andre, you won an Amazon gift card. So first off, we've, we've uh, you know, made sure that the user experience has been preserved, that the user experience you know, is, is awesome. Um, because the user never lands on that, congratulations, you won an Amazon gift card page, the bad actor doesn't get an opportunity for ROI. And so earlier in, in the podcast, I said, you, need, you know, these guys are the most sophisticated performance marketers on the planet. So anyone that's a listener of your podcast that's a good advertiser, right, what you're hoping for is ROI. You're hoping that if you buy an ad, you get an engagement and that engagement turns into either a sale or a click or a call or whatever the, the metric is that the advertiser is seeking. In this case, 
because these guys are the most sophisticated performance marketers on the planet, if it doesn't turn into an engagement, what do sophisticated performance marketers do if they get no engagement? They, they actually, they change it up and they block that site and they no longer buy from that site. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you were a performance marketer and you were buying media across a whole bunch of sites and a whole bunch of them were giving you no engagement, you'd actually say, let's stop buying on those sites. Let's start buying on these sites. Mm-hmm. And so what truly our software does is, you know, it gives our sites that have our protection, um, you know, the, the bad actors actually go elsewhere. And so that's kind of the secret sauce about what we do and why it works and, uh, and why we're different than anybody else. And, and so, um, you know, many people who use our software will, will tell you that, um, because we do a 30-day free trial. So any website can come on that has ads and they put our software on their page for 30 days. And you'll see that during that first 30 days, there's always some malicious activity right? There's usually a pulse of malicious activity. Sometimes there are spikes like this past weekend, which was, you know, the weekend of, of Thanksgiving here in the U.S. and, you know, kind of bookended with, uh, you know, uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Um, on Sunday, there was an attack. And, uh, and so many folks saw a, 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 an escalation in threat level uh, on, on Sunday. Um, but generally speaking, what they'll see is that over time, the longer you have our protection, the less, uh, you know, kind of spikes in malicious activity that you see on, on sites that are protected by us. Yeah, because the malicious uh, software, like malicious, uh, you know, advertisers, they would lose money and then they would go to another site. Okay, yep. that makes perfect sense. Yep. Super. So um, let's see. Now we were, uh, basically, we presented to everybody how this thing works. Uh, is there a way, like... Would somebody know already if they uh, had such ads or would ca- can they fall victim without knowing? Like, you know, uh, how is typically this issue being detected? Is it, is it the customers that complain? Is it somebody randomly discovering it? Are there tests that should be carrying out uh, on a frequent basis to, to ensure you don't have such advertisers if you are open to programmatic advertising as a, a website? I would say all of the above. So let's okay. let, let's tackle it in two in two areas, right? So um, if you're an advertiser, right? You you know obviously you, you're you're hoping that the websites that you're buying on have various levels of protection, whether that's uh, you know invalid traffic or uh, you know prevention from bots or you know hopefully giving a, a high level of viewability. Um, when one of these things happens, as you as you know, if you're on a mobile device and you're on your favorite website and you're scrolling there's usually not just one ad on the page. There's multiple ads on the page. And so advertisers, like if you think about it, if there are four ads on the page, the bad actor isn't buying all four, mm-hmm. right? The bad actor has, is intent on arbit- ar- ar- you know, arbitraging the site. So they're going to buy probably the lowest cost one that they can that can kind of create that unique takeover of the device. Mm-hmm. That means that there are three other advertisers that bought ads on that page that because that user was hijacked and taken away to another website those ads are no longer engageable. Because as you know, you, I'm sure it's happened to you as a user, you can't hit the back button because the bad guys have disabled the back button. You can't hit the close button. You know, you can't get back to where you were very easily. Sometimes you actually have to reboot your phone or actually close your browser down and get back to the page that you're on. And so for advertisers, my gut says that during times of, of, of increased uh, malicious behavior, you would probably see a deterioration in, in things like your CTR and, and those sort of KPIs. As a website publisher there's probably more metrics that you uh, would know, right? And so, um, you know, some of our folks that, that uh, actually are our customers, you know, when we first launched, we didn't even have, uh, um, we didn't even have a reporting dashboard. 
you know, publishers, uh, when we asked them what were the, you know, kind of top three things that they wanted us to do, um, they said, uh, like, I want effectiveness, effectiveness, and effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Like a dashboard that kind of gives them, a, you know, a CT scan of what's going on on their website. They've got tons of dashboards. They've got Google Analytics. They've got tons of places they can go to check out what's happening on their website. And so the first folks that we actually partnered with, you know, almost three years ago, um, what we said to them was, look at your KPIs when our software is not on your page, like run an A-B test. When our software is not on your page, look at the KPIs that you would actually look at every day. What is your session time? What is your session length? Number of ads you serve per unique user? Like all of those sort of KPIs that, that actually power the economics of your website. Tell me when those are disrupted. And when those are disrupted, then put our software on your page and watch them recover. Mm-hmm. So we had folks that um, had a typical time on site of eight minutes, right? And that means that uh, you know a user would spend eight minutes scrolling, you know, three or four stories and reading and or consuming photo galleries or whatever users do on their mobile phones. During that eight-minute period, you would serve an average of, I don't know, 42 ads per session. When these sites were under attack, they would see those KPIs decline. They would see average time on site go from eight minutes to one minute. They would see number of ads served per unique user go from 42 to six. Mm-hmm. And so very quickly, most folks, the, the very sophisticated folks in the ecosystem understood the economic damage that this can do to your website. Um, not to mention the almost irreparable harm of the end user experience and how destructive that is, right? So mm-hmm. you look at it, there's like, there's economic harm and then there's end user experience harm. And in my mind, like, you know, economic harm, we can all recover from that. End user experience harm, it's hard to put a price tag on that. Yep. That person may never come back to your website. Creating content is very expensive. Uh, driving user traffic to your website is very expensive, right? And so if you've done those two really hard things and you now have that user on your website, God, preserve that user experience and make sure that that's not disrupted. Mm-hmm. The last thing I would say is, you know, you said like, how do you know if you have a problem or not? Um, well, one, we'll give you 30 days and you can figure it out. We'll we'll show you all the, uh, you know, all the things. And we have a dashboard now. Um, but I think some cases, one, uh, we, we often hear two things. One, your users are going to tell you, right? If you have a problem and it's bad, your users are either going to send you emails, they're going to flame you on Twitter. Um, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to let you know that you have a problem. Some folks, you know, obviously, um, have traffic that comes through Facebook. Um, Facebook obviously has a great uh, ecosystem where people can type comments and they'll get comments of, of, Hey, you've got crazy ads that are disrupting your user experience. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is, is I don't know, most people tell me like, yeah, my CEO was on our website and he saw this. And so, or she saw that. And yes, so, you, you know, that, that's, <laughs> you know, like it usually happens in that way where like the CEO is on there and she's, you know, surfing around and she's like, oh, you know, that's a terrible user experience. And then someone gets yelled at. So, you know, it's uh, you're either users are yelling at you or your, your management team is yelling at you. And, and so you can't win either way unless you have our software. <laughs> Got you. Okay, so this was very insightful in terms of, you know, like the advertisers. Now, um, let's go a bit into the extensions and the yeah. other side of, let's say, malicious software that can uh, occur or disrupt the user experience. So I know we were discussing about Honey a bit just before uh, we started recording, but, uh, you know, I would like to hear your thoughts and uh, your insight into what's out there and what's bad and why and how can, you know, uh, businesses limit 
Deemed. Yeah. So, so one of the interesting things about our company, um, obviously we are uh, you know, global scale company. We run on, uh, our software runs on about 7 million websites right now. Right. And so we have census of the internet level data. We know what's happening out there, you know, uh, on big, you know, massively global Comscore top 10 websites. And we know what's happening on the body and tail. Right. So we protect kind of, uh, you know, everything in, in, in everything in between. Um, our, our core business started out preventing malicious ads originating from um, uh, malicious activity originating from malicious ads. Um, we started to see, and by the way, in that in that business line, everything is deterministic, meaning we know exactly the place of origin, what the supply side platform is, where that bad act, actor you know bought their ad, uh, what demand side platform seat that they were buying from. Like we can basically point it back. We call it a smoking gun. So we have a smoking gun on every every bad threat that happens uh, in the ecosystem where our software is. What we started to see was bad actors start to shift their behaviors, not necessarily from buying through programmatic media, but also using what we would call client-side injections to uh, initiate their malicious behavior. Mm -hmm. Those client-side injections could happen from, you know, a, a, a rogue Chrome extension that you downloaded and you forgot about it and it's sitting on your laptop and, you know, all of a sudden, it, you know, it's been... Um, uh, it's been hacked or hijacked, and they're using that as a slave to uh, inject um, malicious activity through Chrome extensions or, or whatnot. We started doing a bunch of research around these extensions, and what we started to see, um, not every one of our partners um, uh, only monetizes through ads. We've got folks that monetize through ads. We've got folks that monetize uh, through e-commerce, right, in, in the same sort of site and same sort of environment. Mm -hmm. And we started seeing these, these client-side injections happening through these compromised Chrome extensions. When we started to do a whole bunch of more research, what we actually noticed was there's a whole bunch of Chrome extensions and Safari extensions and Firefox extensions that one might deem to be, like, quote-unquote, trusted, meaning, like, the end user really wanted that Chrome extension on their laptop, but the website owner may not want that Chrome extension to be interacting with the user experience on the website. We firmly believe that, you know, if you are a website owner, whether you're a publisher, whether you're an e-commerce site, like you own your website, you should be able to control everything that happens on your website. You should be able to control the user experience. You should be, be able to make sure that, you know, things don't happen that impact your revenue or your brand reputation or any of that sort of stuff. Like it's your website. You know, you should have those controls. What's happened is, um, you know, there's a lot of software out there that actually takes that control away from you. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've noticed, specifically in the e-commerce ecosystem that takes that control away from you, is these extensions that power um, the automation of discounting. Um, things like Honey and Wikibuy. Um, they are, if you're not familiar with Honey or Wikibuy, they're Chrome extensions or Safari or Firefox extensions that sit resident on your, on your laptop or your PC. Um, and when you get to checkout, at an e-commerce merchant, up pops a little box and it says, hey, uh, it's Honey, I'm here, hit OK, and I will try and throw in a whole bunch of promo codes at checkout and hopefully I'll save you some money. As an end user, this is awesome, right? Because you may, it's kind of like uh, rolling the dice and you may get a 25% off discount or you may not, um, but you know, it's kind of fun to watch it do its magic and lo and behold, you may get a big discount. Mm -hmm. um, what this has done to merchants is almost uh, irreparable harm. Uh, merchants have lost control of discounting. Um, Honey and Wikibuy and the various other extensions um, are now uh, you know, scraping codes up off the internet 
And when you, as a merchant, have given a code that you really intended for a single purpose, for a single user to experience, one of the ones that I actually see these days uh, is um, you know, codes that are designed for first responders. Obviously, we're in COVID right now. It's December of 2020 when this podcast is being uh, recorded. And um, many websites have said, like, if you're a first responder, come to my website and you'll get 20% off. And use that code of first responder 20 or whatever that, you know, uh, unique code that they've given. Well, what Honey does is let's just say I am a first responder and I go in and I've got Honey on my machine and I type in first responder 20 at checkout. I deserve that code. That's great. I should get 20% off if I'm a first responder. What Honey, the first thing Honey does is it pops up and says, we got more codes. Would you like us to try them? When you hit okay, the first thing they do is they scrape that code out and they catalog it and they use it for everybody else that comes after me. And so that means that people who aren't first responders are now eligible to get a first responder 20% off discount if that's what the, the merchant had gone out the door with. Mm-hmm. What that really does is one that, you know, kind of like it becomes the wild west of promo codes, right? Any promo code is now available for everybody. And the worst part is it's at the highest level. So like, you know, one of the, you know, when we're in closed uh, beta right now, by the time this podcast gets out there, we'll probably be in general availability. Mm -hmm. Um, But we've heard horror stories from a ton of merchants about the damages that Honey and Wikibuy and and the various discount codes have have done to their business. Um, You know, many folks... Um, you know, buy uh, ads and use exclusive or unique promo codes to try and track, um, you know, where a lead or where a uh, a purchase came from. This actually clouds all of that. It actually makes most marketing immeasurable because mm-hmm. that code that you used for that podcaster or that code that you used for that YouTuber or that code that you used for that Instagram influencer is now available to everybody. So let's just say you went and, and did a, an Instagram influencer code that was, you know, I don't know, let's say they have a really loyal following. Let's just say you're a vitamins company and you wanted to go and partner with um, triath- uh, the, the most famous triathlete on the planet. And by the way, this is a real life ex- uh, example because uh, we had a vitamins company tell us this story. And they went and partnered with uh, a, a triathlete who had, I think, 50,000 followers on Instagram, which is pretty big. Um, that person put that code in and probably one of their followers actually used that code. That code then got sucked up by Honey. So it got scraped and put into Honey. And so what they were doing is they were looking at their uh, analytics for their marketing campaigns. And they're like, holy geez, like we really figured it out. This guy has like this many followers and oh my gosh, uh, he generated like 400 sales last week. Like, oh my gosh, like, how do we go out and repeat this? Well, lo and behold, it was Honey that took the coupon and now applied it to anybody who came to their site, regardless of whether they were, uh, you know, connected or knew of this influencer. Mm -hmm. And so it really has destructive, um, you know, destructive uh, tendencies to revenue because now everybody gets access to that discount. So let's just say it was a 20 or 30% off discount and your average order was 100 bucks. You've now lost 20 to $30 per sale. You're probably now paying affiliate fees and you've got to pay fees to these influencers who've actually, you know, quote unquote, driven the sale when they truly didn't drive the sale. And then not to mention, you sit here and you go, oh my gosh, how do we uh, plan our marketing? Um, you know, what podcasts should we buy that are effective? Or what influencers should we partner with that are effective? 
it really makes it impossible from a measurement perspective for marketers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's very bad, actually. Now, now that you put it in perspective, I think. Uh, so is there a way for maybe like the folks out here that are tuned in and maybe they are responsible for e-commerce websites or e-commerce businesses? Uh, is there a way for them to audit first if their codes are maliciously being used by let's say honey, because I mean, honey is popular in the UK, it's in Europe as well. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, most people know about it. I think there is a chance that if you have a medium sized, at least if not big e-commerce, your users might be using that for your website. So what are some ways to audit at least and see if they're well, listen, uh, there's no better way to audit than become a user of each of those services, right? So it's free to download. Download the uh, the extensions uh, and put them on your PC and go to your own website and have a look at what Honey is applying and how it's applying. And, it's, and you know, by the way, if you look at, you know, we, we said in our, in our, earlier in the podcast about on the malvertising side, how we launched without a reporting dashboard, mm-hmm. right? Most of these marketers have reporting dashboards. They're probably looking at something every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um I'll tell you one uh, one merchant that I reached out to. Um, they had uh, a code that was tied to a sponsorship of uh, of a basketball team, and that code was only ever spoken about in a very small crawl that ran across the bottom of the screen. And it said, "Hey, uh, go and buy, get thirty percent off. Type in the code magic at checkout." Well, guess what? Guess what? Their top redeemed code was in the month of July of this year. Of course, it was magic, right? Now, guess what? Uh, that basketball team does not have that many fans. Mm-hmm. There's no way, like, so I, I think if it, if it, if the phrase is if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Like, if you've got codes that have taken <laughs> off, you should probably, you know, just in your gut, if it, in your gut it feels a little weird or looks wrong, um, what you ought to do is you ought to maybe turn some of them off for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, now what this merchant did was they shut that one off. Well, guess what? When they shut that one off, the, like that was 30%. They had two other codes that were valid that were 25%. And those then popped up to be the, the, you know, the most used codes. And so that will start to give you an understanding of, of, you know, if you just want to, you know, on your own, go out and do your own analytics of what's going on. Um, but with us, we're in a closed beta right now. We've got about 20 merchants that are using our software uh, and we're giving them reports so that they can understand. We, we give them analytics so they can see what are the most uh, you know, uh, impacted codes, uh, what, are the, what are the most prevalent discount engines that are loading on your end users' uh, machines when they're at checkout. Um, and how is it impacting conversion rates and all that sort of stuff. So um, you know, what I would say is go to our website. If, if you're a merchant and you want... Um, more information and you want to actually go into our trial, um, you know, you can go to blockcouponextensions.com and that will redirect you to uh, our website. um, And that will take you right to the point where you can actually see more and and hear more about what we're doing and and how we're helping merchants really get control of the website that they own uh, and also get control of their revenue and uh, and their discounting. And, you know, the, the one thing I will say is that, you know, there's very few things out there that can help you grow your revenue without actually growing your sales. And I think we're one of them, right? So this revenue, you know, if you think about it, the person's at checkout, they're probably going to convert. And I know there's a, there's a whole bunch of folks that abandon carts at checkout and that sort of thing. But think about this analogy. Like if you're at the grocery store and you've got your, your, uh, your groceries loaded on that conveyor belt, you know, imagine if there was someone standing beside the, uh, the checkout that had a mitt full of coupons that was going to hand them to you at checkout 
you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess we'll try all those coupons. And, and if you save 30%, that how great would that be as, you know, as a shopper? Well, if you're the grocery store, God, you would not let someone come and stand right beside checkout and start to redeem and, and, and destroy your revenue. So mm-hmm. I think really it's about merchants getting control of, of the user experience on their website and, and really you know, growing their revenue without actually growing sales. Yeah, big time. And also, like, if you think about traditional e-commerce, like goods, uh, probably even if it's 5%, that's probably like between 5 and 10% is like your cost of acquisition for marketing, uh, if you were to think about it that way. Like, uh, certainly it's a big um, budget saver here. So uh, if you guys, I mean... I would actually recommend you guys uh, tuning in that have e-commerce websites. Uh, have a look at this. And I guess even if you identify one code that has been maliciously used, you probably have saved up for, you know, like a lot of money. Uh, mainly well, you're, I think you're spot sites. on, Andre, because the, the reality is, is let, let's just say it's 20% off. Even and you say 5%, uh, you know, let, for math, let's do 20% because it, 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 it's, it's easy. If you had a $100 average uh, val, uh, order value, and and you can prevent a $20 loss of revenue. That effectively is $20 more that you can then go out and spend to drive incremental traffic to your website, incremental purchases, right? And so some of what Honey is doing is, is that they're just stealing attribution for the sales that may have already or would have already happened on your website. And so you're, you know, you're getting hit with that revenue reduction and you're paying you know, affiliate fees and whatnot on, on, that, uh, on that transaction. I mean, we think like get control of your website, you'll have $20 more to go out and market and drive real net new incremental users to your website. That's a lot of money, you know, for, for a merchant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super. Yeah, man, that was a very good, uh, <laughs> very good talk. Um, so let's see, now that we have people, I mean, most uh, marketing leaders on the show and probably also entrepreneurs are looking at, you know, sketching their strategy or finalizing the strategy for 2021. Uh, we are living mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, different times than <laughs> previous years. So I think it's very important for everybody to be able to have a plan that they can stick to at least for the first couple of months until the world hopefully is going to get back to some sort of normal. Um, So let's see how we can help them best uh, inform their decisions further. So we have discussed about some actionable points here already about what they can do to audit what's going on in parts of the business or the marketing system that maybe they haven't looked into in depth so far, maybe. So let's see if the, if we were to have a free points checklist of very important things that they can do this weekend or this end of the week uh, to maybe improve their performance for 2021. Uh, what would be your top three uh, advice points, let's say? I mean, listen, I, I'm my, my probably number one, two, and three is what gets measured gets managed. Right. And so measure everything. If it, you know, whether you're in, you know, a publisher and you're in, you know, you're looking for malvertising protection, measure, right? Measure impacts to revenue and to user experience and to all those sort of things and 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 then solve those problems. And the same thing on the on the marketer side. Um, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Um, like I would say ask lots of questions. Um, ask lots of questions of, of you, you know, your agency or your affiliate agency or, or anyone that you're working with in, in that, uh, in that transaction flow. Um, and, uh, you know, and by the way, in questioning everything, I think you're probably going to get a lot smarter about, um, what is really happening on your website. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, as we've kind of ventured into this, um, you know, this new business, right. For us, right. It's, uh, you know, e-commerce is a totally new ecosystem for us. We're learning a ton about, um, the varying sophistication of e- e-commerce merchants. And 
Um, you know, we're learning that there are some that are incredibly sophisticated and they understand everything about their uh, what's happening in their user uh, journeys that are on their site. And they know exactly the harm that things like Honey and Wikibuy and, and whatnot are, are impacting on their site. And then I think that there's another class of folks who, um, and I wouldn't say it's naivete, but it's they believe the data, right? And so, you know, one of the merchants that we spoke to um, you know, they were getting ready to make their 2021 plan um, as as they started partnering with us, and uh, and they had a problem where uh, they actually had had sponsored a podcast, and that podcast had actually turned in. Uh, they had a code uh, for their product on the podcast, and that podcast, uh, in their mind, was magically successful. Like it was driving tons of sales. And they sat down and they were about to make a very big decision for the rest of their marketing plan for 21 mm -hmm. to like take out sponsorships on a whole bunch of podcasts. And, and, and lo and behold, when they actually started questioning the data and really understanding the whys around the data, that's when they, they really uncovered that, oh my gosh, like Honey and Wikibuy are really the culprits here. This podcast is not that effective of a marketing platform for us. Mm -hmm. wishful thinking, right? As a marketer, you you always hope to find that silver bullet, right? Like I, I think like I've been a marketer in my past. Gosh, you want that one thing that shows that rapid takeoff of of your of your product and your sales and uh and that you can make repeatable. Mm -hmm. And and I think the the challenge uh that we've seen with merchants that are impacted by honey and Wikibuy is the data is you know is somewhat lying to them. The data is somewhat telling them a story that um, you know leads them to believe that what they're getting is incremental and what they're getting is um, you know truly tied to the performance of those two uh, you know the, like how well those things perform and I think it couldn't be further from the truth so I would just say you know what gets measured get ma gets managed and ask lots of questions doubt like you know doubt everything challenge everything because I think that's the only way you're going to truly get to the bottom of what works and what doesn't Mm -hmm. Super, super good advice. Okay, so um, let's see now for the people that would like to find out more about you, maybe personally or about the business. Obviously, we have the links in the description of this episode as well. So you guys tuning in, you can uh, go and check out directly clean.io, maybe sign up for a free trial to audit what's going on on your website. Uh, mm -hmm. But Matt, uh, if somebody wants to discuss with you personally, like either for business purposes or to pick your brains on some sort of idea that maybe you can work together on, what's the best platform that they can reach out to you? Yeah, by all means, I'm an active LinkedIn uh, user. So I think anybody should, you know, you ought to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, welcome all those connections. And if you've got, uh, you know, opportunities that you want to discuss, uh, just you, know, you can send me a LinkedIn message on there after we've connected. Um, or you can just send me an email. Um, my email is matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at clean.io. Uh, so it's super simple. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, I would say love to hear from any and all of your listeners and, and if there are ways that we can help uh, and if you've got a problem, uh, we love big meaty problems. So, uh, you know, let us know how we can be helpful. Awesome. Matt, thanks so much for being on the show. So guys, I hope, uh, and we hope actually that you had uh, you had a good time here and you learned something new. Uh, obviously, so everybody that we discussed in terms of companies and add-ons and everything, they are, you know, good for maybe the consumers, but for your business, they might not be so good. So, uh, you know, trying to be objective here, but have a look because you might be able to... Uh, 
you know, to increase your bottom line profits and, you know, why not make 2021 the best year that you've had so far? So, uh, Matt, thanks so much again for all the insight. It was a real pleasure. Um, let's follow up on the discussion. And uh, you guys, if you feel you, you'd like us to cover something in more depth or you have questions for Matt or for myself, as always, uh, be sure you know, be comfortable getting in touch. We'll have the details for Matt and for clean.io in the description of this of this episode as well. And uh, well, best of luck with uh, all the planning and all the <laughs> all, all the yeah. fun for 2021 and for Christmas. Why not? Because uh, it's just around the corner. Right on. Yeah. Best of luck to you. And yeah, maybe we'll come back once, uh, you know, once we're out of closed beta. Uh, as I said, we got 20 merchants that are experiencing the benefits of it right now uh, on, on the e-commerce side. Uh, and I expect it to be, um, you know, a, a very successful product that I think we're going to have a lot of great insights to bring to your, uh, bring to your marketers and talk about and, and ways that they can, you know, grow their revenue and, and, you know, really own the user experience that users have on their various websites. Super. Sounds good. I'm really excited. Let, let's stay tuned and let's stay connected on LinkedIn as well. So Matt, excellent. best of luck with everything. Thanks again for being on the show. And until next time, uh, Keep rocking it. Have a have an awesome one. Cheers, Andre. Thank you.